0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're with us. Um, we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Whether you're here with us in the room or whether you're joining us online, uh, we believe that the Lord is with us, that as we gather together to worship him, that he meets us right where we are. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. Because, uh, you know, some mornings we're, like, ready to go, and we're full of joy, and we feel close to God. Other Sundays, we, uh, we show up, and that's about it. Like, you know, my body is here, but barely, you know. And our minds and hearts are still distracted by a hundred other things. And uh, it's good to know that God meets us in the reality that we live in. Not in some imagined, I've-got-it-all-together reality that none of us really ever inhabit for very long.
1: I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord, and now here we are. Standing inside your gates, all the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Lord, we do thank you that we are in your house this morning. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to worship you in song and through hearing your word, Lord, and in communing together in fellowship with my brothers and my sisters that are here. Lord, I thank you for your spirit. And yes, Lord, we we plead with you for your spirit to fall fresh this morning. Lord, it's, it's, been, it's been a while. It's been a long time. And things are starting to open back up and starting to be feel more normal. And Lord, a refreshment from your spirit would feel so good right now. But Lord, Even if we don't feel anything, we know your spirit is here. We know your spirit is alive and active. We know your spirit is moving in this place, regardless of how we feel. I thank you for that, Father. And I thank you for the way that you are going to speak through Pastor Rich this morning. I thank you for the word that you've already given to him to bring to us this morning. I thank you, Lord, for calling us together. And Lord, I know that there are those who maybe don't feel so thankful this morning, and that's okay. We can still choose to be thankful. We can still choose to have joy. We can still choose to trust you, regardless of anything that may be going on in our lives. So Lord, be dear, be near, and be close this morning. And we lift all of this up to you, asking you to bless us as we gather. We pray this in your precious holy name. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Now wave. We're still waving. We're not quite ready to start wandering yet, but wave at each other as you have a seat and as Pastor Rich comes and shares with us.
0: Uh, Thank you, Pastor Judy. Just if you're in the room, obviously we would love to connect with you. Uh, If you're watching online, we would really love to connect with you because I can look out and see who's here today and smile and and have a little chat, but I can't do that with you online. So please reach out, comment, let us know you're with us, or go to livinghope.info slash connect and fill out that little digital connect card. um, Share with us how we can pray with you or some feedback or anything like that. If you're here in the room, you can do that too, or you can grab one of the little green cards back there by the offering box and, uh, and fill that out. Just drop it in the box, and if you're giving today, you can drop that in there too, or you can go to living hope.info slash give and uh, and give today that works um thank you to all of you who have given so generously so faithfully and thank you to the 40 some people who showed up yesterday across the street at old fairgrounds park for the uh, global 6k for water there were 67 people i think that registered to be a part of team valpo and we already knew that some of you weren't going to be able to join us uh, in person but uh, some of you already today have been saying like oh yep finished our 6k yesterday or did mine on the treadmill or you know doing mine tomorrow or whatever. Uh, we were, uh, we were able to, let's see, I just saw an update from World Vision this morning. It's over $2 million raised, and I think that's just U.S. numbers, so we haven't got the numbers from around the world yet. So over 40-something, 43,000 people uh, will have clean water because of our collective efforts uh, of giving and uh, walking. And so thank you. I think, can we, like, applaud that? That's, I think that's something... <laughs> I want to I want to applaud those of you who uh, who participated and uh, and World Vision. Um. you're not watching right now but thank you world vision for for letting us partner with you and to be a part of this uh it's so so cool to be a part of that um we've got valpo6k.com on the screen because you can still go now you could still donate if you wanted to uh or you could also go and there are directions there for how you could join the team for next year so they already have the date may 21st 2022 is the global 6k for water next year if you sign up before the end of may there's a little promo code you'll you'll see there that um uh, we'll give you half off your registration if you already know like hey, I'm doing this again next year um, Well, there's donors that are trying to encourage people to sign up early and are going to cover the other half of your registration So if you want to do that you can go to Valpo 6k just scroll down and the promo codes there You can click on the link to join the, the team for next year uh, And uh, and yeah, we'd love to have you as a part of that again with us next year uh, Somebody came in this morning saying so Shaving your head doing the orange mohawk thing and I said, well We didn't get a hundred people signed up for it. So no not this year um, but uh, if next year, if we have 100 people registered for it, uh, Katie's back there, like, like, yes, let's do this. Uh, she really wants to see me with the orange mohawk, and Stacy really doesn't. I think Stacy would love to see 99 people sign up, you know. And then afterwards, a bunch of people donate or something. But um, anyway, all right, so thank you to all of you who've, who've been a part of that. Uh, we are in this, uh, this series of messages today answering some of the questions that you have asked. And so you've got uh, some scriptures there in your notes, and I think we'll have them on the screen in, in a little bit. Uh, but today we're tackling questions about uh, people of other religions. And we had a couple of questions come in related to this theme. Um, one of them just was asking, like, what about compassionate, kind, caring, selfless, devout people of other religions? You know, where do they fit in in the midst of eternity? The Bible says by their fruits you will know them, and we actually were just talking about that a month or two ago. Uh, and there are certainly people of other religions with lots of good fruit. You know, people who, they're not Christians, they're Buddhists or they're Hindus or they're whatever religion or no religion. And they're compassionate and they're kind and they're caring and they're selfless. You know, what do we do with that? What does that mean? I mean, here we are as Christians saying, you got to trust in Jesus, you know, to have eternal life. What do we do with all these folks that, who aren't trusting Jesus, but their lives I mean, sometimes, frankly, they're kind of putting ours to shame, right? I mean, you, you probably know someone who uh, you can think of right now who's like an example of generosity or an example of kindness. And you think, man, they'd be a great Christian if they could just, like, believe in Jesus. You know, like, get the Jesus part figured out, would you? Uh, we want you on our team. Uh, what, do we, what do we do with that? And somebody else just asked, they said, there are so many different religions and denominations. How do we know we're doing the right thing? And they went on to ask, like, you know, what if there's some uh, other book of the Bible that we just, like, misplaced along the way or something and we discover it and like, oh, you know, like, we were wrong about this or that or, you know, how do we know that we're on the right track? And uh, I, we're going to deal more with the first question than the second one today. Uh, if you are like, you desperately want us to dig into the second one, let me know, and uh, we can devote a Sunday to it. Because next, let's see, next Sunday is questions about the Bible. What do we do when the Bible seems to play both sides of a disagreement? Or, you know, two people are arguing about something, they both have scripture verses to back them up. Like, what do we do with that when the, when the scriptures seem to like... How, when, what do we do with that you know like is scripture saying two different things or are we just misunderstanding or you know what do we do with those kinds of moments that we've probably all had at some point uh the sunday after that two weeks from today uh answering some of your questions about lgbtq uh issues our neighbors how do we love them family members how do we love them what is what does that mean with uh, with what scripture has to say and our own church's position on that so we're gonna we're gonna go down that road two weeks from today and then we've got a week that is not—I haven't nailed down which one it is. So if you want it to be this question, it can be, if you want a, a whole Sunday on this. But I do just want to say briefly, uh, when it comes to, like, different denominations, which that's the word that we use in, in Christian world for, like, the different groups, like Lutherans, Methodists, Roman Catholics, Baptists, Church of the Nazarene, which is, which is our particular denomination, um, you know, I don't, frankly— <laughs> that part doesn't matter to me nearly that much um, because we're all trying to help people connect with Jesus. We just kind of have different ways of going about it or different ways of conceiving of like, okay, so what should the role of, uh, you know, women be in ministry? You know, there are some groups that don't let women preach, and ours obviously does. Uh, There are some that think, okay, well, Jesus, the primary attribute of God is love, and others say, oh, it has to do more with his authority or his power or... There's all sorts of things that have divided us over the years as christian churches and groups and uh frankly i mean i'm, I'm a fan of any church that's going to lead people to jesus all right so if if our church that's what i've told many of you over the years if our church doesn't click with you okay there's lots of good churches here in town find one connect with one uh, as long as they're leading you to jesus and opening up the scripture so that you can connect with them more and, and know them better that's great um so i'm not too concerned about you know are we in the right denomination or not if you're following jesus that's what matters to me But there's there's lots of different religions in the world, right? And and I do think that there are multiple reasons uh, for believing that the testimony of the apostles about Jesus and his death and resurrection are, are trustworthy. That Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that what we have in our New Testament is a trustworthy witness to what actually happened in history. And to me, that's what it all boils down to is the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. You know, that he said what he said, he taught what he taught, and he did what he did, and we killed him and God raised him to life again. If that's true, that changes everything, all right? That means that God has conquered sin and death. It means that what Jesus said about himself has some validity to it, you know? I mean, God raised him from the death to to show that he was who he said he was, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And and so that makes a difference. If God has broken into human history in that way, that makes a difference. And I think there are good reasons for believing that the testimony we have in our scriptures is is good testimony, testimony that should be trusted, um, so if you want us to dive into that or, or you know, expand on that, I'd be happy to do that on another Sunday. But today, um, I want to dive into that first one. Um, and just acknowledge that some would say, like, well, who cares about the different religions and denominations and all that stuff? That none of that really matters, right? I mean, aren't we all just kind of on the same team, stumbling toward the same goal? You know, every religion, you've, you've heard the analogy before, right? Every religion is like just a different path up the same mountain. And so, sure, Christians take this path at the mountain and, and, you know, Muslims take this path at the mountain and Hindus take this path and Buddhists take another path. And we're all just going to the same, you know, place. We're trying to get to the same goal, connecting with, with the God who made us, right? And we're all just following different paths up the same mountain. Um, and it, it, my guess is that if I asked for a show of hands, how many of you agree with that? There might be some of you that would say, well, yeah, I think that's basically the, the right idea. Um, I don't think that really works uh, when we finally, like, if we press that analogy uh, because all these different paths are making, like, some exclusive truth claims, you know, like, like what I just made about Jesus, that, that God has actually raised him from the dead, that he's the Son of God, that he's the Lord of Lords. And, like, if another religion says, oh, no, he wasn't, he was just a nice teacher, but we really think this teacher had, had things uh, better things to say, and we should really listen to this other person more, uh, well, okay, which, which is right, you know. And, and Christianity, along with a couple of other major world religions, would say there's one God. Who made everything. You know, while, while some other religions say, no, 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 there's lots of gods. And the important thing is to to kind of uh, reach out to whichever god it is that you need to talk to right now about that particular thing that's going on in your life. And you know, the way we relate to the gods in some religions is very different than how we would relate to God in Christianity. And even among the, the theistic or the monotheistic religions, where we believe there's one god, there's a lot of diversity into who we think that god is, and, and what he is like, and how we are supposed to live because of that. But I suppose I heard one pastor say that like, there's just a little bit of arrogance around that, that idea that, like, there's all these different paths up to one mountain, because it's assuming that I am able to step back and have this objective view that says, like, oh, all of you think you're the only way, but, but I know better. I can take a step back and see the mountain you're all trying to climb, and, and I don't know, maybe they're right. Maybe there is some arrogance to that perspective. Um, I'm not positive. I think you could probably humbly have that as a hypothesis, but not be sure, you know, that maybe we're all doing this. But to just assert it uh, would be to say, yeah, I'm able to step back and see something that all of you uh, Christians and Muslims and all the others can't see. I'm able to see this, this bigger thing, which is similar to the, uh, that, that other picture we sometimes have of trying to explain why we all have these different views of God and everything else, right? The blind men and the elephant. You've all heard that one before, I assume. Uh, some of you could probably describe it better than I could. You know, that there's all these blind men that encounter an elephant, and somebody asks them, like, well, what's, the, what's an elephant like? That's their first time. And, of course, they're blind. They've never seen one. And, you know, the one that's grabbed a hold of the trunk is like, oh, it's like a snake, you know, and it's moving around, and it's, it's long, and it's, it's like a snake. And somebody else has grabbed its ear and it said, no, it's like a big uh, piece of paper or a palm branch or something. You know, and someone else has bumped into its side and said, it's like a big wall. It's just sturdy. Somebody else has, you know, grabbed a hold of a, a leg and said it's like a tree trunk. And, and um, somebody else has grabbed the tail and it's like, it's like a rope, a stinky rope, you know. Um, all these different views of what this elephant is like. And, and that analogy has been used to talk about religion and all the different religions. That we're all just kind of blindly stumbling toward some truth. We all have grasped a, a different little part of it. Um, and we're trying to describe as best as we can what we've encountered. And, and so that's, that's one way of perhaps, accounting for all the diversity among the different religions. And I, you know, frankly, I think there might be something to that. I mean, um, the fact that, you know, all of human beings have encountered God in some way. Um, it's kind of a universal human experience, it seems to be anyway. This realization that, like, there is something beyond us. There's, there's more than I can just see with my eyes. There's, there's a deeper meaning behind human life than just what we do day to day and what I do with my hands and, and just, you know having kids and protecting them and, you know, providing for them, that there's some deeper purpose to life. And and so every human being is trying to stumble their way toward, well, what could that meaning be? And sometimes somebody comes across an idea that other people think is like, well, yeah, that, that sounds right, and a, and a religion is formed, you know. Um, it gets passed on to another generation and another generation, and some of those die out. Some of those, like, they don't really have staying power, you know. It's like, it was a nice idea, but, you know, it couldn't really account for this or that other thing. And then, now we've encountered something different, or we've heard some other people who came with a better idea, and so we abandon that old religion, and we've adopted this new religion. And, um, you know, sometimes religions die out. They can't, they can't hack it, kind of, in the competition of ideas, But, you know, here we are, a couple thousand years after Jesus, um, and there are multiple world religions um, that have been around for, you know, well over a thousand, two thousand years. Uh, They all seem to be standing the test of time, at least among their adherents. What do we do with that? Are we all just blind and and stumbling in the dark? Uh, Of course, we Christians uh, would say, well, that analogy's Good as far as it goes but and it might explain why there's so much diversity but we believe that god has like opened our eyes has healed our blindness has shined his light and helped us to see him as he really is Um, numerous places in Scripture describe that as like Jesus perfectly representing the invisible God to us. I failed to get those in your notes today. I'm sorry. There there are so many Scriptures I should have included, and I was realizing as I was looking at it, I was like, oh, I forgot that one, and oh, I didn't include that one. There are multiple places in Scripture that describe Jesus being the image of the invisible God, that He perfectly reveals uh, our Heavenly Father to us. I guess I kind of get one in there. But first, uh, John chapter 1 in John's gospel. You know, again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus and his life and his death and his, resur- his resurrection. In John chapter 1, you might remember, he says uh, about Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. A couple of verses later, says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. We believe that God has revealed himself to us in Jesus. and He's shined his light. We're not just stumbling in the dark. That he has come to us to reveal God to us, full of grace and truth, John says a little bit later. And uh, honestly, this is also, I think, it's not just that we're all blind and stumbling toward God. I think God wants us to encounter him. We'll actually see this a little bit later in a passage from Acts. But, you know, this, these verses from John are saying, look, this light, what did, it, what did it say? In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That this true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That somehow Jesus is reaching out to every human being on the planet. He's shining his light in a way that it touches everyone. There's no one on the planet that's living just in utter darkness, absent from any of God's involvement or any of his light shining into their path, into their life. And so we shouldn't be surprised when someone of another religion or someone of no religion at all, like, does something that we think, wow, that that looks a lot like Jesus. That looks a lot like love. That looks a lot like the good thing that we believe God wants us all to live like, you know, the the way human beings ought to be. Like, in my mind, we Christians just say, yep, God is influencing them as well, you know, through their religion that we might believe is mistaken about this or that important thing, especially about Jesus. But, you know, God is still at work in their life, and God is helping them to see more than they might see on their own. Um, This is... Since this is Pentecost Sunday, uh, this is the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. You know, the Holy Spirit reaching out to every single human being who's ever born, who's ever lived. And trying to draw us to God's self. You know, trying to draw us into the arms of our loving Heavenly Father. Trying to reveal to us who God is and to help us to, to stumble our way toward Him. Uh, Our tradition, uh, which goes back to um, the Methodist tradition, which was started by John Wesley, uh, a good Anglican priest back from the 1700s, uh, talks about this being God's provenient grace, which is just a churchy word for a grace that goes before us. Before we ever think of reaching out to God, God's grace is already active and at work in our lives. We are recipients of God's grace before we ever are aware of it. And that's what helps us to have some idea that there might be a God who loves us and cares about us. It prepares us to say yes to him once we encounter him. So Jesus is shining his light to all mankind. And uh, John chapter 14, a little bit later, Jesus says to his disciples, as, as he's talking about what's going to happen and where he's going to go, and he's, he's talking about going to be with the Father, and, and one of the disciples says, well, just show us the way. I think it was Thomas. He says, just show us the way. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. That's one of those places that says Jesus seems to be saying, look, you want to see, you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus, right? He reveals to us who our Heavenly Father is. Now, this at the same time is a very exclusive kind of a claim. You know, Jesus is saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. And and we can read this, and Christians read this often as saying, like, look, there's no other way You've got to go through Jesus. You've got to listen to Jesus, trust Jesus, follow Jesus, if you want any hope of connecting with your Heavenly Father. There have been Christians who have read this very differently, who have said, you know what, anyone who makes their way to the Father, they're, they're getting there because of Jesus. Jesus is the only bridge that anyone can walk across this chasm to get to our Heavenly Father. And so if they find anything of true about God, it's because of Jesus. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Some Christians have, or uh, Christian theologians have talked about like, uh, oh, what's the phrase that, that, that he used? Uh, it wasn't secret Christians. Um, ah, I can't remember now the phrase that he used, but but almost like they're Christians without knowing it. Like they are they, they are connecting with Christ and connecting with God, with, but they're not aware that that's what's happening because they they don't know Christ. So they were raised in a religion that, that has taught them something about Christ that's so different than the reality that, that, uh, that Jesus is helping them to come to their Heavenly Father, but they don't, they don't realize it. So Christians have come up with all kinds of ideas to try to answer this question. You know? And I, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to think that it doesn't matter what answer you land on yourself, but at the same time, I don't want anyone to encounter like the answer that our particular church has arrived at, or that I've arrived at, and think, Oh, well, if I, if I want to be a Christian, I've got to agree with Rich. Because you don't. Okay? Um, many of you disagree with me about lots of things and that's okay. Um, I disagree with myself about lots of things, you know, young, younger, rich, uh, disagrees with the rich of today and probably rich of 20 years from now is going to disagree with some things that I'm saying today. Um, uh, because we're all learning and growing and, and discovering more and, and, um, uh, so hopefully, what I hope is that I don't say anything here on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night or when I'm talking to any of you, trying to guide you and help you to, to learn more about God. I hope I never say anything that's like so wrong that it just like takes you off track, right? Or that takes me off track. Uh, hopefully, at least where I'm helping you along, takes positive steps forward, uh, just like I'm trying to take positive steps forward in my understanding of God and, and, um, and what it means to, to live a life that pleases Him. So I guess I, I just to skip all the other stuff for just a second. There are a lot of things that I think and I'm hopeful for when it comes to, like, how God relates to people of other religions and all that. And and especially that question was like, you know, where do they fit in the midst of eternity? There are things that I'm hopeful for that maybe God will do, that maybe God will uh, be merciful in this way or consider these things. And then there are the things that I'm more certain of because they're stated very clearly in Scripture. Um, So I'm certain that if you trust in Jesus, you will find yourself connecting with your Heavenly Father the God who made us and loves us. I'm certain that if you, if you listen to Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if you trust in Him, believe in Him, you will have life. You will find your sins forgiven. You will find yourself living a life today and on into eternity that is filled with joy and peace, even in the struggles, even in the difficult times, because God is with you, because He's giving His Holy Spirit to you, uh, because you get to live life with Him. So I'm, I'm certain of that. I'm certain that you won't miss out on an eternity with God if you trust in jesus i'm hopeful that when we all stand before god's judgment seat that there may be some folks who didn't hear the name of jesus or didn't put their trust in jesus in this life that somehow god finds a way to to give them another chance to to confront the truth about who god is and to and to discover that and i'm actually going to look at one of those in just a moment from uh, from c.s lewis from a kid's book that i loved when i was growing up um And if I somehow forget to read that little excerpt later, somebody flag me down and say, you didn't read the C.S. Lewis quote. Okay, all right, please. Um, So there are things I'm hopeful for. There are things I know for sure, all right? So um, I'm gonna express some of the things I'm hopeful for, and there are are Christians out there who who firmly believe them, and that I'm just still kind of like, well, I I hope that that's true. I don't know for sure, Uh, but I'm I'm kind of hopeful that that might be the case. Uh, There was a book several years ago that I came across called uh, A Wideness in God's Mercy. I think it's taken from an old song. I'm saying like there's there's a wideness in God's mercy, and I'm hopeful that God's mercy is wider than I might imagine, you know, that I might be than than I might be aware of. So, uh, let's see. There's a passage from uh, from Matthew chapter twenty five where Jesus talks about the nations. Um, as I was preparing for this, there's a um, there's a great series of messages that you might want to um, look check out, look up uh, from a church called Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City. Um, it's a Met- United Methodist church. Adam Hamilton's the pastor, and a couple or three years ago, he did a series of messages on Christianity and the world religions, and just gave a Sunday to uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam and Judaism I think that's right, and, and to Christianity, and, um, and interviews some leaders from those different faiths, and talks about where we agree, where we disagree, to help us as Christians, you know, better love our neighbors, and to understand our own faith better, and I didn't re-listen to the whole series leading up to today. Uh, I listened to, to a little bit of it, and enough that I remembered like, oh yeah, that was really good, and if you want to learn a little bit more about some of your neighbors and the faith that they they follow, where we agree and disagree, Um, I encourage you to look that up. You can watch them all online. I'll try to link to it on the church's Facebook page later. Uh, But one thing that he mentioned that I was glad for the reminder of is that uh, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, as God selects uh, Abraham and says, through your descendants, all the world will be blessed. All nations of the world will be blessed through you. And uh, we Christians now see that that is being accomplished through Jesus Christ, the descendant of Abraham, of the people of Israel. Uh, But throughout the Old Testament, the phrase used for all those other folks who aren't a part of God's chosen people is the nations. And, uh, And we see that mentioned here in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Some of you have heard this before, right? Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Like, Jesus, I don't remember seeing you and doing that for you. When, When did this happen? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. There's this idea that the the kind compassionate caring actions toward people in need Jesus received those as given to himself and welcomes the the righteous from among the nations into his this kingdom prepared for them because they were kind and compassionate For one of the least of these you did not do for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This story that Jesus tells seems to be saying that as the nations are gathered before him on judgment day, that one of the big things Jesus is looking for is, did you care for your fellow human beings? Did you follow the command that Jesus said was one of those top two most important ones, right? Remember the first one, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's why we're doing this series about asking questions. We want to love God with our minds as well as with our hearts and souls and all the rest. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus seems to be saying people who loved their neighbors as themselves, people who cared compassionately for the poor and the needy, they get welcomed in. That's one of those things. I read that and I get hopeful. Hopeful. Right? I get hopeful that maybe some of my neighbors and friends who follow other religions, that maybe there is hope for them. If they are able to, to follow the way of Christ, even while not knowing Christ, that maybe there's a possibility. Again, I know for sure that if you put your trust in Jesus, you know, he forgives our sins. He's forgiven my sins. If I put my trust in Jesus and I follow him and listen to what he has to say, well, then I have the, the best chance of actually doing what he tells me to do, of actually caring for the poor and the needy because that's what he commands me to do and it's his holy spirit that empowers me to do that see there are some christians that would hear that and would say yes and the only way you're able to truly live that righteous life is by god's holy spirit living within you You and that's why it's only those who put their trust and faith in jesus in this life who will find themselves among the sheep on that day and welcomed in because everyone of every other religion, anyone who is not putting their trust in Jesus, they don't have the spirit of Christ alive in them in the same way that Christians do. And they're not leaning on God for that strength. And so they, they, they just can never perfectly do what God has called us to do. And maybe they're right. I, I know that for me, I, I, how many of you perfectly do everything that Jesus asked you to do? Quick, show show hands. I'm, I'm guessing we, we all struggle with that from time to time. I do. You know, I, I, and that's when I depend on God's grace and his mercy to forgive me for my failings and to help me to, to do better the next time, to, to not walk past that person in need, to not, you know, keep that for myself when I could have fed someone with it or provided clean water for someone with it or whatever it might be. That's those moments when the Holy Spirit speaks and, and hopefully my heart is still soft and says, Yes, God. Yes, I, I, help me. Help me to love you with all that I am. Help me to love my neighbor as myself. Again, I know for sure, if you're trusting in Jesus, he will help you, and he forgives your sins, and he helps you to live that kind of life. I'm hopeful that perhaps there's there's some mercy that goes beyond what, what I'm confident in. Um, hmm. You know, what, now might be an okay time to go ahead and read that little quote from uh, from C.S. Lewis. book. how many of you you already know? Like, oh, I know what you're going to read. You read those books from C.S. Lewis. I see at least one person. It's is the last of his Chronicles of Narnia. At least if you read them in the right order, uh, it's the last one. Um, the last battle. Maybe maybe it's it, that last in all the orders. They they messed up the order at some point since I was a kid. But the last battle. Um, it's the story of the of Narnia Narnia's end, and it's. Narnia, is, is the whole thing is C.S. Lewis's kind of analogy for what life is like. You know, there's this, the, the animals talk, and Aslan is the king of the beasts, and, and he represents Jesus. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, allegory, and it works great for kids, I think, for helping us make sense of the world and, and of Jesus and all the rest. Um, and in the last battle, we see kind of the final judgment played out. And, there are some definite uh, cultural insensitivities that you'll see if you read The Last Battle. That Today, we might write, write that differently. Uh, but there are, like, the, the bad guys and the good guys, they're the followers of Aslan and the followers of Tash, this false god who is, like, pretty ruthless and wicked. And, and, and in the end of the... I'm, I'm wrecking it for you, just so you know. Um, but at the end of the book, there's, like, this door that everybody has to walk through and is forced to walk through as Narnia is collapsing. And they're forced to walk through and... Um, and as the the main characters walk through, they find themselves in this paradise, you know, the, the version of heaven. And uh, and along the way, they stumble across this follower of Tash, this follower of this false religion. And they're like, "What are you doing in here? How did this how work?" Um, and this this uh, young man named Emmett, um, and uh, hmm, which partner I? He basically grew up as a follower of Tash and always wanted to follow Tash with all of his heart, uh, and uh, and, um, and so he's confident, as he walks through this door, he's like, okay, I'm going to come face-to-face with Tash, and I'm going to, you know, finally get to see the God that I've committed myself to all these years. And uh, I'm skipping a whole bunch of interesting stuff. But he ends up, coming, he goes through the door and finds himself in this same pleasant paradise place, and eventually finds himself face-to-face with Aslan, whom he has known as his enemy all his life. This enemy God, you know, of those people over there. And he he thinks, he says, I fell at, my, at his feet, and I thought, Surely this is the hour of my death, for the lion will know that I have served Tash all my days and not him. But the glorious one bent down his golden head and touched my forehead with his tongue and said, Son, thou art welcome. But I said, Alas, Lord, I am no son of thine, but the servant of Tash. He answered, Child, all the service that thou hast done to Tash I account as service done to me. Then, by reason of my great desire for wisdom and understanding, I overcame my fear and questioned the glorious one and said, Lord, Is it then true that that thou and Tash are one, that you're just the same? Because that's the thing that's been going on in the story. There's some people saying, "Oh, Tash and Aslan, they're just the same. They're just the same thing." You know, it's just two different ways of talking about the same goddess. You know, all the paths are leading up the same mountain, kind of a thing. Is it true then that you and Tash are are one? The lion growled so that the earth shook, but his wrath was not against me, and said, "It is false, not because he and I are one, but because we are opposites." I take to me the services which thou hast done to him. For I and he are of such different kinds that no service which is vile can be done to me, and none which is not vile can be done to him. Therefore, if any man swear by Tash and keep his oath for the oath's sake, because he wants to be an honest person, a person of integrity, it's by me that he has truly sworn, though he know it not. And it is I who reward him. And if any man do a cruelty in my name, then though he says the name Aslan, it's Tash whom he serves, and by Tash his deed is accepted." Uh, But I said, uh, also for the truth constrained me. Yes, I've been seeking Tash all my days. Beloved, said the glorious one, unless your desire had been for me, you would not have sought so long and so truly, for all find what they truly seek. It's interesting, uh, the label that gets put on it is inclusivism, that God includes some people that we might otherwise exclude uh, because God knows our hearts and sees our deeds and is able to be merciful in ways that we frankly, don't understand and can't, can't accomplish on our own, that God includes some folks that, that otherwise might not have been included by the strict kind of letter of the law as we understand it, you know. So C.S. Lewis was hopeful in that way, and, I, and maybe that's why I find myself hopeful, because that book was influential uh, to me back in my, my younger days. So, I do want to read this passage from Acts chapter 17. This is the Apostle Paul, uh, who we know as one of the great uh, missionaries for Christ, ambassador for Christ, spread the good news about Jesus all over the, the Roman world. And at one point, he finds himself in Athens, this great center of philosophy and, and religion. And um, And as he's telling people about Jesus, there's this Philosophers group that says, We haven't heard this idea before, this idea that there's a resurrection, this idea about Jesus. Are you promoting some, some foreign gods, it seems? Come and tell us about these gods. And, um, and so Paul does. He shows up, he accepts the invitation, and says, Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it To an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. Apparently, they wanted to make sure, the Athenians did, that they didn't leave anyone out. And so if they heard about a god that other people worshipped, they're like, well, we better worship that god too and honor him so they would create a shrine to that god. You know, the god of those people, the god of those people, and whatever god, they'd have the little shrine, and they would honor that god in the ways that they would honor them. And they, they said, well, there's probably gods we haven't heard about, so let's." they made one that was to an unknown god, to this god we haven't met yet. And they tried to honor this unknown god. And Paul says, let me tell you about this god that you don't know yet. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. Like, you don't have to build a temple to this God like you have to all these other gods. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. That God is, is influencing human events for this reason. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. So again, I, f- I feel like he's describing here kind of the stumbling toward the elephant, you know, like he wants the nations to reach out to him, to find him, to discover the truth of who he is. He's not far away from us. He is near to us. He wants to be discovered. For in him, we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, it's like you've gotten some things right. Your own you know, religious poets have gotten some things right about God, including this one, that we're his offspring. Since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. So he has started out by saying, you guys are on the right track about so many things. You're religious. You're, you desire to worship God. Let me tell you about this God you just don't know about yet. Not your fault. You just haven't heard about him yet. Let me describe him to you. And now, as he's describing who God is, he's saying, look, you don't have to do all this stuff, all this building idols and all this kind of thing. You know, that's that's been part of your blindness. But now, well, he says, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. And again, that's that's why I think this whole Christianity thing is true, because I believe that God really did raise Jesus from the dead. I'm counting on it. staking my life on it and my eternity on it. That God really did raise Jesus from the dead. And because of that, that, that makes a difference for what we think about the world and about other religions. And, and here Paul is saying, you know what? God has been patient with us, but now he's shown us who he really is. He's been trying to get us to find him, and now he's gone ahead and shown himself clearly in Jesus. And a day is coming when we're going to stand face to face with him, and we're going to be judged with justice. All the things that we do, whether we are living a righteous life and reflecting Christ in the world or whether we're not, that's going to, it's going to be made clear. So he's, he's telling us now, now is the time to turn from our sins and to turn to him so that when we face this one who has defeated death and sin, we can do it confident that we will be welcomed. And he calls them to this. Um, and this is why we're not a church that just stands up here and says, like, yeah, you know, we're hopeful, and maybe maybe all of our Buddhist and Hindu and other friends, maybe, maybe they'll all get in, and we don't just leave it there, right? We're, we're confident of what God has done in Jesus. And we, and we want to be sure that our friends get to spend eternity with us, and we want to be sure that when we all face that judgment seat someday, including them, that we all can stand there confident, saying, "Yes, I've had my trust in you. You have forgiven my sins, and I haven't earned my spot here. You know, I've just trusted in your grace." And with the with the talk about feeding the hungry and, and all the rest, there can be a tendency to say, "Okay, well then I'll just do that. I'll just be a better person." Like, well, it's not quite how it works. You know, um, scriptures are clear that um, it's by trusting in Jesus that 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 we find ourselves rescued from slavery to sin. That's how the Bible talks about it, that we are enslaved to sin. And without him, we can't break free of those chains. We can't truly live the life he would have us live without his help. In fact, a little earlier in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, the, the disciples are talking to some religious leaders, the, the leaders of their own people. And they say, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. As you want to be saved, you want to be rescued, God has sent his son Jesus He's the only, he's the only uh, hand reaching out to us to, to save us, to, to pull us from the fire, to, um, to get us out of the mess that we've made of our lives. He's, he has given us help. He has given us salvation in Jesus. So I wanted to close with that most famous verse from Scripture in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I don't believe that God is, sometimes when we think about people of other religions, we think that it's like, like that there are enemies in some way, right? Like, oh, those people over there, they're our enemies. They follow a false religion. They're trying to shut us down or harm us or whatever it might be. And we look at folks over there as like, you know, we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. And God so loved the world, right? God loves them just as much as he loves us. And there are some things that they're getting right, okay, right alongside some things that they're getting wrong. And I want to say, just like we're getting some things right, and we're probably getting some things wrong, but that central thing (laughs) about God's love for us and his gift to us of his son, Jesus, in my head, I want to say, like, as long as we can get that right, (laughs) there's so many things we can be wrong about. But if we can get that right, if we can put our trust in Him, well then He'll help us to figure the rest out. God so loved the world, every last one of us, including all the nations that He gave His one and only Son. There is a uniqueness to Jesus and the way He reveals God to us. That whoever believes in Him is open to all of us, shall not perish. And again that's what our sin does Kills us, kills the relationships with others around us. It uh it makes a mess of the planet that's been entrusted to us, everything. We are in the path of perishing. We're going down that road. He says if we'll trust in Jesus, then we won't perish, but we'll have eternal life. It starts now and continues on into eternity. So I look forward to hearing back from the person who'd asked this question, who's not in the room right now, and, and just find out how how satisfactory was that. Um yeah, you know, because there's this part of me that again falls back on what the Apostle Paul said in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse twelve. All I know now is partial and incomplete, <laughs> like seeing in a mirror. Uh, you know, there's a lot I don't know. There are some things I do know. I can see it very clearly in that mirror. You know, there are some things I know about who God is and who Jesus is and what He's done for us. Now I know that in Jesus Christ, I've, my sins have been forgiven. I know that in Jesus Christ, I have hope. I, I'm hopeful for some other things, but. I'm going to go ahead and, and not only love my neighbors who follow other religions or no religion at all, but, but I am going to do my best to live in such a way that they might, you know, and, and be interested in them in such a way that I might have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus and why we walk for water or why we are generous to those in need or why we, you know, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those in prison, all the rest. And I can point them to Jesus just as someone has pointed me to him. Let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray before we celebrate communion together today. Thank you, God, for your love for us that we see revealed in Jesus Christ. It is, that, that part is so clear to us, God, that there is not a single one of us that is beyond the reach of your love and your grace, no matter who we are or what we've done or what religion we might have been raised in or none at all. God, you desire to have a relationship with us You long to to bring us to yourself, to embrace us as your children. On this Pentecost Sunday, (laughs) you desire to, to fill us with your Holy Spirit, your life empowering us to live in the way of Jesus. Thank you, God, for this love that you have shown us. Help us to say yes to you. Help us as we look at our neighbors, um, Who might follow other religions or no religion at all, help us uh, to recognize and to celebrate the good that we see in their lives. God, I, I believe that that is a reflection of your activity in their life, of you working, even through their religion, God, you working in their life to help them, to draw them toward you, to help them to live a life of love, a life that is better than it might otherwise be. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love and the chance that we have to love those around us. Fill us with your love, we pray. Fill us with your grace. Help us to be a people that demonstrate your love and your grace to the people around us. Thank you, God, that in, um, in just a few moments we're going to have the chance to celebrate this sacrament of holy communion. Reminding us that we have communion with you because of Jesus. We give you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence among us, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in His body and in His blood. We offer you ourselves, with all of our questions, with all of our uncertainties and our, uh, the things we're getting right and the things we're getting wrong, God, we, we offer all of ourselves to you. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for giving us life. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit today so that we might live in this world as your sons and daughters, as the body of Christ, as people who live in the way of Jesus. Thank you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In just a moment, uh, we'll take the little cups of bread and juice that we have on our tables, and we'll celebrate. And if you're watching with us from home, now's your chance. If you haven't already, to gather some elements together. Um, Thank you, God, for the gift of your Son, for the gift of your Holy Spirit, who meets us here, who invites us to Christ's table. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, uh, gave gave thanks for it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take this, eat it. This is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat. After supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to the disciples and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Thank you again, Lord Jesus, for giving all of yourself to us, holding nothing back, showing us the the extent of God's love for ordinary, messed up, confused people like us. Continue to show yourself to us. Continue to clear up confusion. Continue to help us to be um, fully invested, (laughs) to put our full trust in you, to follow you, Lord Jesus, as you lead us to our Heavenly Father and to life. Fill us with your spirit today. I pray once again so that your love and grace might flow out from us to everyone that you send us to this week. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.